0: very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. Saturday morning it's not quite the 20th but it's the 19th of October.
1: It is, Its time is slipping by isn't it? I know,
0: it? I said the 20th, we were mentioning um, a car wash and Valentine there earlier and I said, goodness me tomorrow's the 20th, where has that month gone? Mm. It's just crazy. It's, yeah.
1: it's been such a great month though. That's it's it and I really mean mild.
0: even there now 15 to 17 degrees today. It's so mild. I it's noticed really it was 11 or 12 when I came out at 6am this morning.
1: Yeah, it's extremely mild, yeah. I mean plants are still growing it's hard to believe isn't it and I know it's, it's very very damp this morning, but we, that rain is actually wanted. Believe it or not, I you did.
0: Know. Yeah, I did wonder about that right now. It was uh, more than damp, shall we say, on Wednesday morning. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. came down I mean, uh, in torrents. But at the same time, I suppose we haven't really we had haven't any had, significant rain. No, we
1: haven't. The lakes and the rivers have been, uh, you know, they've been so low. The water level has been so low for the last couple of weeks. So that bit of rain is no harm whatsoever. Right. Uh, and I think we promised a bit more rain on on Monday, but still good gardening weather. Still an opportunity to get out there and tidy up the garden and put it to bed. Lots of leaves falling and we're just coming into that autumnal time when plants are beginning to turn, the leaves are beginning to change and and uh, so it's that time of year to really put the garden to bed and things are still growing I mean the
0: they lo- are I can see that myself and uh, they definitely the, the colour of the, the leaf turning has uh, really kind of commenced I think it's in the last yeah. yeah in the last week or so and I was driving somewhere and there was a beach hedge and it was really starting to, to turn, to turn yeah. now. and I said yeah. okay well it has arrived begin, the autumn yeah. Yeah. it's I know slipping it, in there now yeah. certainly, certainly. Mm-hmm. but anyway okay we have I, I know we have loads of questions and we're so coming in from very early morning this morning Parik um, but I want to turn and somebody had had inquired there in the fairly recent past about courses and horticultural courses, and as it so happens, you were at a graduation I last was. night. Well, what Tell can I, I say more. about
1: horticulture? I'm thirty years. I was thinking that last night. I was yeah. at. I was at. I was uh, delighted to be at the uh, graduation of the Westport Further. Westport College of Further Education the horticulture course uh, graduated last night along with a whole load of other Mm. uh, great courses uh, run back there in Westport but they Cormac Langan is the uh, lecturer and uh, they run a VTAC level 5 course in horticulture Um, and he was telling me that for next year they're going to run VTAC level 6 and the VTech, for people that don't know, it's a great way of getting onto the ladder of education. So you can start on a VTech level five, mm. which is a year's course, go on to VTech level six, and then go on maybe to the Botanic Gardens or go on to a, another college and maybe go for a degree in, in horticulture. Yeah, it,
0: it's a great system because um, it's all aligned to the national framework of qualifications. Correct. So I think which goes up as far as level nine or level 10 if you were at doctorate level, say. Yes. So that kind of pits it in around the middle, five or six is kind of. In or around the leaving cert, post leaving cert yes. thing. But the great thing about the courses that are being run by the likes of Westport and and all other those other institutions around the country is that you know it recognises prior learning but you don't have to necessarily have the leaving cert as such or no, they will don't. take personal experience into account and um, and that's kind of how the, the the grading system if you like for it and isn't and then, that more important a huge, I they, mean and any of us who've lived a small bit of life at this stage will know <laughs> that the experience side of it really counts for a whole lot more probably than the actual qualification but you do need the qualification at the same time
1: absolutely yeah. and, and they had in in Westport last night they had I think over, certainly close on 200 delegates um, and I would say certainly half of those were mature students. So people that had gone back to education, be it hairdressing, be it uh, motor mechanics, um, in, in my case it was horticulture, I think Cormac was saying to me, had nearly uh, well over 20 students. I think up to 27 students in last year's course. Um, so for anyone interested in horticulture, um, I would advise them to check out. Now the co- the, the course for this year has started, mm. but certainly for next year, uh, check out the the Westport. College of Further Education you get their website um, very good horticultural course it's running for a number of years now and and VTech level 6 is going to be a new addition just because of the popularity of the course and I can certainly recommend a career in horticulture oh, because, I, I was thinking actually that was exactly what was going to my mind last mm. night Was I'm 30 years it was 1983 that I qualified so in 30 years in the in in the horticulture and it has stood me well. <laughs> and, you're stood ha- me well. and you're still still happy at it. I'm still happy at it. Good. And and it's a cor- it's a career that is recognised all over the world. Mm. You know, we use the Latin names of whatever it is, Skimmy Rubella. That name is the same name in Japan, China, Europe. Uh, so Latin names are used in horticulture. So it's it's once you've got your career or your qualification,
0: it's globally it's, recognised. It's globally recognised.
1: Yeah. You can go anywhere in the world and practice. It's the same growing conditions. It's the same. Propagation okay. and so on. So,
0: you don't have to sit the new the garden, the gardener's exam. Sorry, no, that's uh, maybe not giving it its full um, uh, weight, if you like. But the technical side of you know, the way if you're an accountant, sometimes you have to go and then you have to do accountancy exams, say, in another country or, oh, yeah. you know, that kind of yeah. thing. So, that, that no, isn't no. it, doesn't apply. Horticulture here.
1: is recognized, I a bit like nursing or like yeah. any of those careers. It's uh, it's recognized all over the world, Mayo Abbey as well our friends in Mayo Abbey in in Mayo, they also run some very good um, VTAC courses in horticulture as well. So anyone listening Mm. and thinking of getting into horticulture as a career and want maybe a tester, then I would advise do a VTAC level five. As you say, it's fairly low entry level. um, Previous experience is going to be taken into account. And the course itself gives you a very good foundation in horticulture. And then you can decide. And it also helps you to because there's so many different facets of horticulture. There's, there's uh, floristry, there's gardening, there's landscaping, uh, nursery work. There's a whole uh, myriad of different avenues you can take uh, once, you know, so that gives you a flavour of maybe what you know, even down to say landscape design, yes, that whole so you've got a whole range of aspects under horticulture, and you can decide after feed type level five direction. you can direction. kind of specialize
0: exactly. in one particular area if, yeah. it, if it piques your interest, or, or you maybe have an aptitude for it
1: exactly because the botanic gardens would, would tend to specialize more in amenity horticulture, which would be more garden center, gardens, um, golf course type courses, whereas Warrenstown or some of the other horticultural colleges specialise more in nursery growing, uh, people that might be into propagation and, and that kind of aspect of it or organic vegetables Mayo Abbey would Hmm. specialise in, in that. So, sorry, so some,
0: somebody who might have a little bit of land or property and they yeah. maybe can develop an industry out of that, from that side
1: of things. Exactly. So I'd highly recommend it as okay, a career. There you go. It's definitely something to look into um, and I suppose my advice is to check out Mayo Abbey and here in Mayo and also contact uh, Cormac Langan in... in Westbrook College of Further Education and yeah. take it from there. And
0: I suppose just for people who might be listening in other areas as well um, I mean the local VECs are a great resource in terms of uh, giving people information. I know they're not called VECs anymore, they're called I think the Education and Training Boards, they've Video. all been renamed in the fairly recent past um, but they're also a great resource uh, if you are wondering what might be available locally yeah. give them a call and they'll be able to point you in the and right the direction v, the as well. the
1: VTAC certainly is a great way it, of it getting on the ladder. If
0: you can get a VTAC course at yeah, uh, it's it is the way to go. Uh, there you go. Yeah. But of course, people might just want to be doing it for hobbies either. Um, but anyway, there's lots of options, I suppose.
1: Really there is what we're saying. There is indeed. Okay.
0: Now, we are going to turn from gardening to cooking for just yeah, a brief just, moment. Yeah, just to mention, just to <laughs> yeah,
1: mention you that have,
0: we ha- you have a special guest coming. We
1: have. We, well, it's, it's part of um, Mayo Pink Ribbon. And of course, you know, the Mayo Pink Ribbon do fantastic work, particularly in in the research of cancer treatments. And uh, the team in Mayo um, have asked us to get involved. And they've brought it. They're going to bring along Claude McKenna. Very, uh, very,
0: good. International cook, and in, yeah.
1: Um, and Claude is going to come to Hawkins on October the thirtieth. It's a Wednesday night at seven p.m. Um, and she's going to have a Christmas theme, which is going to be very nice. Cooking for about two hours. Um, showing people what to do for Christmas. And I think anybody that knows Claude or has maybe seen her on TV, she comes across certainly as a very down-to-earth and very pleasant uh, person. And
0: Yeah, I've and she's a big proponent of the farmer's markets. And I know she, she comes is. from the south of the country, yeah. um, but she is very involved, I think, in a kind of local, produ- with local producers artisan, on the ground yeah. in, in her own part of the world. She is and uh, promotes that wherever she goes.
1: She does indeed. And that whole artisan food um, and, and good food um, movement, She's certainly involved in, them. she trained of course in Bali Malu, and also spent time initially, initially so t- she tends to have that Italian uh, slant to her cooking as well. But she's coming to, to the garden centre Wednesday the 30th of October, it's in aid of Mayo Pink Ribbon, so all the funds go to that charity. Tommy Maron has agreed to be her MC for the night, so that's Could, going to be great. We'll get fun, better than that, I'll tell bit, you. A bit of fun on the night and I would say to people that the tickets are literally running out the door. So if, particularly for my listeners, I'd like to see you there. So it's Wednesday, 30th of October, 7pm. Tickets are available in our own garden centre in Turlock and Castle Bar. Um, and also there's a list of outlets selling the tickets on the Mayo Pink Ribbon website. So if you just Google Mayo Pink Ribbon, it'll give you a list of the um, of the outlets selling them. We certainly have them in Turlock and I know in the, over the last week or so they have been uh, Going out the door door very quickly. So do come along. It's going to be a great event and all funds will go to the Pink Ribbon. Um, So that's Wednesday week? It's Wednesday the 30th Mm. of October, yeah, at 7pm excellent so well worth
0: I'd say that's going to be a really it's going be, special evening on is. a it, load of fronts it yeah. is going
1: to be limited it's right. limited numbers because obviously it's going to be a practical cooking and, and yeah. we can only accommodate so, so many, many people yeah. so, so put that in the diary okay. and, do and get T- your
0: tickets quickly and don't be disappointed yeah
1: and, and they're in the garden centre certainly um, right over the weekend for the next couple of days we'll have plenty of tickets available
0: okay definitely something to look forward to yeah. um, and yes she is a very interesting cook and I suppose has a, her own take very specifically on uh, how to approach cooking she does, so yeah. she have it lot, she I'd very say she natural of, and down to earth. Yeah, interesting yeah. things I'm for people. I'm looking forward to it myself. Excellent, okay. <laughs>
1: um,
0: right, we're going to take <laughs> a quick break. I think we have quite a few questions uh, so you can keep them coming to us. It's 87 if you're texting with thanks to C and C Cellular. We're situ- switching your landlines to Vodafone is easy. Also, uh, Teresa is taking calls for us this morning on 0818-3055 and the email address is garden at midwestradio.ie and I know there's one or two in on on that as well. So we'll come to all of that after these. You're very welcome back. Uh, first question, we're going to the emails first, Porik, and uh, a lot of people are squeezing in a number of questions and one I noticed <laughs> today. So, Colette, it's went for good morning to you. Uh, you've got a couple of ones. First of all, it's about Christmas potatoes, Porik, which Colette said in the tunnel about six weeks ago, they're growing great and then, bam, destroyed with blight. <laughs> oh, Those tomatoes have also succumbed to it and another set of potatoes which haven't come up yet and she's wondering if there's still a threat of blight and should she spray them?
1: Well, that's, yeah, I suppose that's unfortunate now because Christmas potatoes, you plant them in July and August. We, we would have mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. You generally get a great, great crop of potatoes from December onwards. And unfortunately, of course, the arces, the chemists succumbed to, to blight. And blight will, potato blight will affect both tomatoes and potatoes. They're all both in the same family. So obviously it has spread, it possibly has spread from the tomatoes onto the potatoes. Once they're blight, <clears throat> that's really them finished for this year. Um, the fact that she's sown a second crop, I mean, yes, keep an eye on them. You can use a little bit of Bordeaux spray. Blight generally tends to be a problem when you get very mild, like, we're, like getting, we're getting, very humid, moist weather, and particularly if you're if you're applying in a tunnel, if you're wetting the foliage, which you shouldn't do. When you're watering your potatoes or tomatoes, you keep the water off the foliage because that that's the way blight spreads. It spreads on moisture. So if there's moisture on the leaves, then the, the spores can spread across the leaf and enter the the leaf cells and cause the damage. So always in, in a tunnel keep the foliage of potatoes or tomatoes dry as much as possible and just keep the water right at the very base of the plants. So in this instance, yes, I mean those the, the fact that she's sown a second crop um, they'll start to grow now. It'll be questionable the size of how they're, they're actually going to mature because right. it is late. Ideally Christmas potatoes should be planted in August, July August sort of period so they've got a good long growing period. But it's worth a try and a little bit of Bordeaux mixture as soon as the foliage starts to appear. You can apply that maybe every 10 or 14 days and that'll keep any blight off it. Generally from now on, you don't get blight because we're into colder, frosty weather um, and that'll just kill the spores off but because of the very mild weather it's, it's still there's, be, there's, there's still a risk.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, and the second part of the question then relates to hydrangeas. Uh, Colette has hydrangeas about five or six years old and they refused to flower for her. Uh, she remembers seeing flowers on them one time maybe three or four years ago but nothing since. Every year they seem to be going along fine, look like they'll flower but they just don't and they're still relatively small.
1: Well the fact that they're small is, is an indication that are not happy where they're located okay. and we're in the time of year actually for lifting plants. So wait for the leaves to go off those hydrangeas and I would replant them. Now you can replant them back into the same piece of ground as long as you upgrade the soil, as long as you add in a lot of organic matter and, and hydrangeas are very hungry feeders for the first couple of years so they need a rich, um, well, well uh, enriched soil. So the addition of organic matter or leaf mould or compost into the planting hole is really what they want. They also want a soil that doesn't dry out. So they love copious amounts of water, particularly at the the time of year when they're forming the flower buds and when they're coming into flower. So if the ground would is very sandy or gravelly or very free-draining, hydrangeas are going to struggle. And you'll end up with small leaves, very small flowers, and, and the flower is just not opening properly. And that just is exactly what Colette is describing. So I would either move them to another part of the garden where you've got good quality soil and enrich that with plenty of organic matter to get them going, to get some vigour. Now, they won't flower for a couple of years. They'll tend to grow, do a lot of growing and then settle down to flowering. But if hydrangeas are hungry or if the soil is very free-draining, you just won't. You'll get the, the buds forming, But they just want to open,
0: right?
1: And any plant when it's coming into flower, um, and particularly hydrangeas, because they've got got such a big saucer-like flower, they take copious amounts of water. um, And if if they're drying out during the summer period when that flower bud is beginning to form, you get the the buds just stop, yeah, and it just becomes stunted. So. My my advice is really to lift those plants and leave it for about another two to three weeks, dig them up, either replant them back into the same soil but but enrich the soil or else pick another location in the garden. And remember, hydrangeas can grow anything up to two metres in diameter, anything up to... You know, four, five, six feet in height. So give them plenty of space and plenty of room run. So it, it it pays you to have the soil well prepared before planting. And that's all that's wrong with them. It's not that they're diseased or you've got a bad lot or whatever. It's just the soil conditions are just not right for them. Okay, so if
0: you and they're them. easy
1: to just to lift and and actually redo the soil. A couple of hours, you'd have them replanted again.
0: Great. Okay. Um, moss on Tarmacadam, Adam, how does the one old get favourite, of it?
1: I mean, and yeah, we're coming into that kind of mm. damp weather. Moss is going to be popping its head around knock it back now and use the patio magic that's what i find very effective i treated my own paving area about two weeks ago and it's been very very effective the patio magic you'll also find will clean it it tends to brighten up the surface and bring off the bring up the color on ptarmacadam or on uh, paving slabs or so any hard surface areas knit the the moss now don't leave it because it's going to continue to spread over the winter period and the next dry day a little bit of patio magic and that'll eradicate it for you excellent
0: now somebody is lifting dahlia bulbs and they uh, and their begonia bulbs. Okay. They've had brilliant colour all summer. Yeah, they've been great. Yeah. How do we store them for next year or can they leave them outside?
1: Well, leaving them outside. Begonias you cannot because they'll just rot over the winter period. Right. as you take a chance. If you leave them out, the frost or the heavy rain can get them over the winter period. So my advice really is to lift them, um, dry them off. So dig them up like you would a potato tuber. Allow the Put them into a garage or into boxes. Allow the soil to dry and shake that soil off in a couple of weeks' time. Put them into boxes. They can be just put naked, uh, without any soil on them, into cardboard boxes or into polystyrene boxes, anything that will just hold them for the winter. Mm. You could put a little bit of straw between the tubers and dust them with some yellow sulphur. You get a small tub of yellow sulphur in your local garden centre. It's great for stopping any rotting on tubers, any form of tubers, uh, flowering tubers like begonias or... um, in this instance. The great thing about lifting them is that it allows you to to propagate them next spring. So by lifting them you just keep them in a frost free garage an attic, um, a protected greenhouse, a protected tunnel somewhere that's going to be frost free and um, dry for the winter period so a garage is the ideal thing or a attic would be an ideal area and then come February, March take them bring them into full light allow them to sprout like you would a seed potato All right. and from the one tuber you'll, you'll propagate anything from three to five new plants from that one tuber so it's a great way of dividing them and the same applies to begonias if you lift them and store them for the winter it gives you the ability to be able to divide those tubers or those corms next spring so it's highly advisable to lift them now you can do that anytime normally you allow dahlias let the frost hit them first so if they're still flowering and there's still a bit of colour on them leave them well enough alone for another week or two but if you want to lift them now, then it's perfectly okay dig them up cut back the stems dry them off put on the green sulphur uh, keep them dry for the winter period and then next spring you can propagate them and you've got yourself four or five new plants from each tuber so it's a great way of of Uh, starting uh, off new plants again great stuff and very simple to do
0: Okay, so lots of, well, there's an option there definitely and good luck if you are going down that route. Um, I know in our own house, my mother is a great fan of storing the begonias. Does she lift them every year? She does. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And it's amazing if you don't propagate them, they'll grow from from literally a small little, you know, something the size Mm. of a, a coin right up to a dinner plate sized tuber over a number of years, yeah. so they, they do get bigger and stronger every yeah. year.
0: And they, they have been rather spectacular in ah, colour yeah, this lovely.
1: year, yeah. They've been very good, actually. Yeah, they've flowered so well.
0: Now, a listener would like to know, Porek, if October is the month for sowing hardwood cuttings and also can lupin seeds be sown indoors? And third part to the question. <laughs> Sorry, now we can, we, can we can go on, back yeah. over them. Uh, can they prune back cherry trees at this time of the year? Well, starting with the cherry yeah. trees,
1: no. Leave, okay. leave cherries alone. And that, I think I've mentioned this before. All Anything in the cherry family, uh, you leave until spring of next year. So leave that till March or April until you see the leaves starting to, to come on the plant. And that's the time to prune them back. Or wait until after flower if you wish allow the cherries to bloom in April and then immediately after that prune them back uh, if you cut them this time of year they bleed over the winter so cherries or anything but a stone uh, any of the stone fruits like peaches nectarines ornamental cherries are left till till after flowering in springtime in relation to the lupins yes you can sow the seeds now uh, sow them indoors in, in compost in a seed tray cover with cling film and they'll germinate in, in a two week period uh, and, and the, hardwood so
0: yes hardwood cuttings hardwood
1: cuttings what we mean by that is, is the taking cuttings of this year's wood that has started to ripen that where the timber has gone nice and brown and now is a great time to take cuttings of laurels of all hedging plants of things like blackcurrants, gooseberries, many, many plants in the garden can be propagated by cuttings. So things like fuchsias, hydrangeas, could be taken from cuttings now Um, so yes it's a great time to propagate plants from cuttings and you do take hardwood cuttings strip off all the leaves take off all the flowers maybe leave one leaf at the very top of the plant and generally you're taking cuttings about eight or nine inches long Uh, dip them in rooting powder that's important and for many cuttings you can leave them outside if you open a simple trench in the garden put in some sand into the bottom of the trench and slip in the cuttings after dipping them in the rooting powder and just push back the soil leave them there till the springtime and many plants particularly tough outdoor plants like blackcurrants, gooseberries, roses, fuchsias, hydrangeas will root out of doors quite comfortably. Um, And particularly all the hedging plants like Mm. privet and laurel will root from cuttings out of doors um, at this time of year. So it's well worth. Have a go.
0: And, and definitely you can do it
1: now. Yeah, oh, now is a good, very good time. anytime from kind of late September, October, early November is a really good time. And those cuttings will root during the winter period and you lift them in April of next year to plant out oh, wherever you want properly. them to grow. Yeah.
0: Here's a, question from a teacher uh, okay. in the classroom there for their nature table they'd right. like to plant some flower bulbs with okay. the children great. Uh, wondering what types and varieties are suitable to grow inside in a warm classroom maybe something to flower for christmas
1: christmas okay well, well, well we've got two months to go haven't we yeah <laughs> right so well a couple of plants <laughs> be that, quick. well a couple of plants that come to mind um and first of all bulbs are very easy mm. it's a great way to show children something growing there's a plant called amaryllis it's like a small turnip when you buy it. So it's quite a big bulb. Right. So it's great for children because yeah. they can put their two hands around it. Amaryllis, go on, you're thinking yeah, of something
0: Yeah, Do they grow up very tall, well, the they amaryllis? Grow, they, produce, they have a big head on them, is it? Yeah, beautiful yes. big yeah.
1: flower. You get four flowers per stem, each facing north, south, east and west. Oh. Right, So you got that, the, the flowers face opposite one another, another. So north, south, east and west. Uh, the bulb itself is like a small turnip and you, you simply put it into a pot, you bury it normally about half its, its depth into the pot. So you have half it sticking out and half it down in the compost. So maybe a six or seven inch pot, good quality compost, stick it into that, put some compost around, around the, the base of the bulb, yeah. have half the bulb sitting up above the pot, which will look good for the kids it's as well because they'll right. actually see that and yeah. be very visual and that will start to grow water as well keep it on a windowsill so somewhere like a, a windowsill with a warm radiator is perfect for it maybe put it into a tray so that it's easy to water for the children so then, and they'll see the water then evaporating up into the compost as well um, and that plant will start to grow within a week you'll see it starting to sprout and grow and it produces a stem about, a f- about 18 inches long depending on the heat it might be a little bit longer in a very warm Mm. classroom but generally about a foot, 18 inches in this naked stem and then the buds form at the very top of the stem and you get these fantastic flowers they're nearly the size of a saucer so they're that big and you get four flowers per stem so look for the bulb Amaryllis Amaryllis they're available and they're available in a whole range of different colours brilliant for children Uh, and something that could bring home maybe at Christmas time another two easy ones would be the paper whites which are in the Narcissus family so they're in the Uh, daffodil family but they're more suited to grow indoors so they're Narcissi and they're called paper whites and again you simply pot them up put about six or seven bulbs into a pot again you can leave half the bulbs sticking out just aesthetically it'd look very well and they again will flower for Christmas and there's quite a good scent off those They come in yellow and white. And the third bulb I'd recommend are the hyacinths. So make sure you get prepared hyacinths, which means they've been specially chilled to flower for Christmas. Now they need a period out of doors. So what you do is you put three bulbs into a pot with good quality compost, stick them under the hedge or out outside somewhere in the the school, maybe on a windowsill outside or somewhere out of doors, leave them for about four weeks to root. So they need that kind of cold, chilled period out of doors to get them to initiate the roots and then bring them back in. So if you pot them up, say on Monday, stick them out for maybe about the first or second week of November and then bring them back in and again, they'll flower for Christmas so all those bulbs are available in garden centres at the moment so amaryllis for me would be a great one to grow Uh, paper whites are dead easy and the hyacinths are fantastic for scent they come in blues and yellows pinks, reds whites there's a whole range of colours but remember to plant them in, in threes For the hyacinths, about five or six for the paper whites and one amaryllis on its own is enough.
0: Okay great stuff. Now I'm just going to give a quick time check in association with O'Brien tractors in Bohola. It is just coming up on 27 minutes away from 10
1: with O'Brien Tractors Bohola main Landini dealer in the west of Ireland 094 938 4217 and O'BrienTractors.com. Now, dot com
0: Now, Porik, one more question and then we're what? going to take a, a proper little break um, relating to compost heaps and this okay. is a really good question uh, a listener has a lot of withered leaves uh, coming in from trees in the garden at the Don't moment all? Don't they all? Would, they're, So they're wondering about making a compost heap yeah. in the garden would this be good material to use and what else should super, they
1: use? Super, super... Att- time first of all to make compost because if you start now you're going to have compost ready for your veg garden in March and April of next year. Leaves in general are absolutely terrific for um, using as, as compost. Now I like to shred them first of all and to shred them get your lawnmower so, if the leaves are out on your lawn, mm. let the lawnmower go across the lawn and, and actually shred them up. By by sh- now, you don't have to, but mm. by shredding them, you you accelerate the decomposition of the of the leaves. And particularly, beech leaves and oak leaves can be quite slow to break down. So, by cutting them up. Um, so if you haven't got yourself a little garden shredder, the lawnmower yeah. makes a great uh, alternative. Or if you haven't got, you haven't time for that, certainly just gather the leaves up mm. and start to, to compost them. When you're making compost, the trick really is to get a, a whole variety of material. So grass clippings, leaves at this time of year, um, things like eggshells or so anything that's um, uncooked from the from the home, from the household is ideal. Shredded newspapers make makes a great me- uh, medium as well. Um, and b- build it up in layers. So, you know, don't end up with a whole pit of, of leaves. You're better to have some grass in there, some leaves in there, some shredded newspapers. And use then an activator called It's it's a it's a It gets the bacteria going. So it's a, what we call an activator. So every six inch layer of compost or of material, material. that you, you, you build up, you put a handful of the garotta on top. And that basically gets the natural bacteria to start to accelerate and start to break down mm. the leaves and the grass and the shredded newspaper very rapidly but it's a great time to make com- a compost heap the main thing is to keep the moisture off it so if you're making you can either buy a compost bin mm. uh, something like the tumbler which again is it keeps all the um, keeps all the moisture out but allows air in or you can make a homemade with you know with, with pallets and kind of galvanised sheeting or anything at all that will actually hold the compost but the main thing is to keep the rain off it so put a plastic sheeting mm-hmm. or something across the top to keep the heavy rain off it because the the moisture cools down the compost and stops the bacteria from, from breaking down and in a compost heap if you start to make it today mm. within a month if you put your hand into the middle of the compost it will burn the hand off you Because there's such heat It's coming such heat coming off, off that decomposition off. and if moisture is getting in then yeah. that's sure enough it's cooling the whole process down and it's causing problems you need to keep the, the heavy rain off so a plastic covering or some sheeting to keep the compost dry that's important uh, but if you start now it's a great time you've got you know five months for that compost or six months for that compost to break down and you'll get the best of compost to use in your garden around your fruit area or in mm. your flower borders or to put under your dahlias or hydrangeas or wherever wherever, yeah. wherever. Um, by next April, May of, you know, if yeah, you
0: start now. Yeah, because uh, we, we have one as well in our house and it is just, it does produce the most fantastic material. Oh, excellent. Yeah.
1: Really, yeah. really good. Yeah. So start now and all the materials I mentioned are absolutely superb for, for starting, but do put in the garage every six inch, about a handful and that gets your compost accelerating and really moving well.
0: Great. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we still have lots more to come, so stay with us. Now you're very welcome <laughs> back. I'm nearly losing my spot. There's such a range of questions. Uh, right, uh, where in the questions. was I at all here? I want to try and backtrack now to make sure that I'm not skipping over anything. Yes, um, is it okay to plant spring broccoli from plants? Yes. Okay.
1: Now is the time. Plants are available in garden centres at the moment and, and spring broccoli, that's the purple hedging broccoli. Uh, it's totally winter hardy. So plant it out. It's perfect for getting it into the ground now. Watch the slugs with it. That's the only thing.
0: Uh, a listener would like To give a present of a nice flowering or colourful tree to their father to plant in his local golf club. Oh, great. Any suggestions? And is this an okay time?
1: Well, first of all, it's the ideal time for planting, um, and particularly after this drop of rain now, it'll be really, really good for putting in all all types of trees, all types of plants. The tree that comes to my mind, it's, it's actually lovely in gardens at the moment, is the liquid amber. It makes a beautiful um, tree. It'll be lovely in a golf course because it's a very kind of stately, nice clean stem and a big round head, but it goes a beautiful autumn amber colour at this time of year. So that's a really nice one, liquid amber, and it's trouble-free once planted you know there's no real mm. trouble with it it's a it's a really good nice tree it's got a leaf very like a maple uh, but the, the leaves colour so richly at this time of year beech would be another nice tree for I mean in, in the golf course you get plenty of space so a nice yeah, copper so beech would be lovely um, what else is nice this time of year you've got the mountain ash family which are absolutely covered in berries uh, which are lovely uh, at the moment any of the maples as well the the very big maples um, they would be good there's some nice varieties like crimson century or dromondii which would again, look very stately and take up a nice bit of space. But for me, liquid amber is probably one of the nicest trees at the moment. They're really nice. And with soot, uh, I mean, it'll grow 20 feet, 25 feet over time. Very, very spectacular at this time of year. Lovely. Very like the Virginia creeper, reminds me of that. that. And they're lovely this year because the weather's been just so good for autumn colour colour yeah, yeah. That's uh, the, it, the wind and the rain hasn't been well the from today hasn't been knocking the leaves off yeah. them so look for that one liquid amber it's an easy one it's something different and you get tremendous colour all year round but particularly at this time of year it's really nice
0: Excellent. Now, a uh, listener would like to sow a hedge of white thorn uh, from this year's seeds or haws. Okay. When is the right time and what should they do to sow the seeds? Do they need to sow them indoors or outside? No, no,
1: outdoors. Um, once the fruit is ripe, which and we're coming up to that time of year, when you see the, some of the fruit starting to fall, that's a sign that the, the berries are ripe and you, you probably want to pick them now before the birds start to get at them. So the way to do them is just pick pick the right berries, um, put them into a, a bucket, just a plastic bucket, maybe 100 berries or 200 berries, whatever you want to do, uh, put in some water and mush them up. So kind of, um, you know, with a, a handle of, a, of a, a broad handler, a piece of wood, just mush up the actual uh, berries. And that just separates the seed from the actual fruit. And the fruit will float to the top. And any unviable seed will actually float to the sop- top as well. So any of the seeds, the viable seed, will sink to the bottom of the plastic container take that out sow it straight into some garden soil maybe on a ridge or an area out of doors and it's going to take between one and two years for that seed to germinate so you get some um white thorn seedlings germinating next march and april and the the remainder will, will germinate the following spring so yeah great time to do it and very very easy to do as well
0: Okay now my aunt arrived in the door with a huge uh, bag of apples the other day oh, lovely, and yeah. here we've got an apple question um, uh, apple trees good crop but some of the fruit have white maggots what are these and how do they how do they stop this happening again
1: Any maggots in your granny's And
0: <laughs> uh, my aunt's apples no I well I have to be honest they're still in the bag, uh, oh wait, waiting gosh. for something to be done with them, and that'll be that'll be today's project after the And program. you didn't even
1: bring them in. Bring no, them in today sorry, for us I should have I should have brought,
0: brought some in for, good for scallion apples. Um, but white white, it, maggots, white, maggots, is white my, maggots is Mike's problem. Okay, yeah. well,
1: well, that's a that's a a, um, a pest called codly moth, which is a, which is a basically a moth that lays the eggs on um, the young fruiting embryos in. March, April sort of period. So they're they're eggs that hatch out, that burrow into the apple when it's very, very small and feed during the summer period. So at this time of year or certainly earlier, as you're picking the apples and opening them, you're seeing the mature margots or the Mm. mature larvae of the codley moth. To avoid it, you can put what they call a codley moth trap on the trees in March, April. And that catches the adults as they're climbing as they're coming up the actual stem of the plant and controls them. So there's nothing you can do at this time of year. Those apples are just affected. But for next year, look out for codling moth treatments, which, which stop the adults from laying the eggs in the first the instance. Right. And generally, it's not a major problem. You know, you get the odd... The odd apple, right? Um, but there would be an
0: infestation as
1: such. Well, if well, if you know, some trees can, can be badly yeah. affected, and you'll you'll notice the apples, there'll be a hole at the drilled into the apple at the on the opposite side of where it's hanging off the tree on the. Underside, underside of the yeah. apple, there'll actually be a, um, a pin, um, quite a, well, a reasonable size hole where the actual maggot has gone in. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, now, just one quick hedge question, because uh, I know there's a few and we're going to try and bunch these together. Um, Sowing hedges at the moment, fast growing laurel or something similar, best plant time to plant. And wondering really, is it best to use rooted slips?
1: Well, rooted slips are going to come available. What we mean by that are these are cuttings that were taken last year. On the nurseries and uh, grown over the summer period, mm. and it's it, you're coming into the time of year. Certainly from the first week of November, rooted cuttings or um, slips or um. Uh, Beirut plants is what we call it's them yeah, sorry, Rude Rude I was
0: plants. actually yeah. going to say it's the
1: same as Beirut Beirut plants yeah they, they come available from the first week of November and it's a great time to buy them because they are cheap to buy and if you're putting in a large hedge it's probably one of the best ways of establishing a fairly big hedge or long hedge area at, at a, an inexpensive price so yes it's a good time to be put to preparing the soil the plants won't be available Beirut for about another two to three weeks so my advice would be to get the area treated now so mark the area that you want to put the hedge in, put down a line, uh, maybe cut the grass if there is grass there with the lawnmower within that area and spray it off. So get rid of any vegetation in the area that you want to plant the hedge uh, in November. Get the the area ready now. Mm. Um, So by applying a little bit of Roundup now or weed free 360 to the area on a dry day, that will uh, kill off any vegetation that's going to compete with the hedge and make it easier to actually dig the soil when you're ready to plant. root plants will come available from about the first week of November. Um, it may be a tad late this year because it's so mild. So we normally don't lift the root plants until the weather gets a lot colder until they stop growing effectively. Yes. So that'll be about the first week of November onwards. And it's a great time to put in a hedge, not just laurel. Beech will come bear rooted. Privet, all of the the popular plants. Yeah. So uh, somebody
0: available. else has a question there in relation to uh, planting a twenty metre copper beech hedge, and I suppose what they're wondering is again, is is it better to use the bare root plants or the potted ones? Well, so well, I suppose it's
1: yeah, like bare root plants. I suppose the benefit is that they're inexpensive to buy. It's they're a cheaper way of putting in plants, and if you've got a large area to do, then it's it's probably the most effective way of establishing a hedge. And um, naturally enough, the potted plants will that will be that little bit stronger. So if you're replacing maybe some dead plants or you're doing a small hedge, then the potted plants just give you, I suppose, a more robust and, and better root mm. uh, structure. Um, so for the odd plants, I go for the potted ones. But if you're doing a large area, then Beirut makes perfect makes sense. sense in the first or second week of November. From then on, right through till March of next year, mm. you can put in the Beirut plants. So it's a great time. We had a hedging weekend, as you know, last yeah, oh weekend. yes, yes. And We had a fantastic response to it. And, and um, just even talking to the growers, there's been a, a great lift in hedging plants over the last two to three weeks I suppose just responding to the good weather and autumn being the time to get some hedging plants in Great
0: uh, A listener has a lot of big hostas and asters that they'd like to divide up and okay. plant in other areas when can they do great this time, and great have time. you any tips on the replanting?
1: Well first of all it's at the ideal time to to start dividing herbaceous plants so plants that are dying back like hostas like asters like um, penstemons any of those mm-hmm. delphiniums all of those plants that die back for the winter lift t- dig up the clump completely so dig it up um, and literally get a sharp spade and split it into a number of clumps so a large hosta clump you probably will end up with five or six new plants um, and the important thing is just to take a reasonable sized clump um, with so enough eyes and enough root to, to, to start off a new plant and really just what I would do is divide it up into six or seven pieces and replant two or three pieces to form the new plant in, in the area and it's the simplest app. so it's a really good time of year to be moving plants or dividing plants particularly herbaceous plants like hostas or asters ideal for moving them anytime from now on so the next dry day go out dig them up split them up with a sharp spade and replant them straight away put them down to the same depth mm. you can incorporate some compost when you're planting it and apart from that they're dead easy they'll, they'll root away over the winter period rhubarb for example great time to start digging up old rhubarb uh, clumps and splitting them up now they've died back they're becoming dormant so dig the whole clump up put it out on the path, get the sharp spade, cut it into pieces, five or six pieces, and then replant into a new area, putting down maybe three pieces spaced space to foot apart to form the new clump and just enrich that soil with some mushroom compost or farmer manure or some garden compost and that's all that's to it. Away you go. Yeah, it's a great way of propagating plants.
0: Now, Marion in Westport has an invasion of lady's mantle. This okay. is new for me now, Marion. <laughs> right. uh, so she's wondering: Is it necessary to cut the foliage first, and is now a good time to do it? Tell us about lady's mantle.
1: Well, lady's mantle. I mean, when is the plant to weed? You know, here's a classic example of lady's mantle. Is it's a lovely um, ornamental herbaceous plant, uh, weed prized. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> it can become a weed right. because it self seeds it produces thousands and thousands of seed you'll have them growing in your tarmac and your gravel oh. on oh I know the stuff right? you're talking about that <laughs> ladies yeah. map. now it's it's got um Lovely leaves in in the summertime, uh, and when the rain when the rain comes on the leaves, it kind of bubbles up. You get this kind of glistening effect off the leaf. So the leaf it's a lovely plant for ground cover or to cover an area or a bank. Right. So easy to grow, uh, and so easy to grow in this instant that it, it borders that's, that's on right. becoming a, big, a weed. A pest, yeah. So to get rid of it, you can I mean you can just simply either hoe it out of areas that it has self seeded or apply a uh, something like um, weed free three hundred and sixty to the foliage and that will kill it off. And um, because the leaf is, is Um, the the water tends to bubble on it you need to mix a little bit of detergent uh, a little bit of washing up liquid to the wee killer mix uh, if you are applying it and you don't need to cut the foliage back you simply make it up into a watering can or a sprayer and apply it to the lady's mantle that you want to get rid of um, alternatively, you could lift those plants put them into pots give them to neighbours or friends <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they mightn't be they mightn't be they're friends they're whatever about neighbours oh, they mightn't be friends for much longer it's not that
1: bad of a plant right. I mean it's a great plant for ground cover if you've got a slope or a bank or an area um, that you want to cover ladies mantle is a terrific plant if you plant it with um, bulbs lots of daffodils and other bulbs that will shoot up through it in the springtime it's a really great plant to cover okay. an area so I mean I know it can be a bit of a nuisance self-seeding itself whatever uh, at, at the end of the day, you know it's a real reliable, tough, hardy plant to to it cover. It won't let you down. It won't let you down. Okay, ladies mantle. It's so easy is to grow. it just
0: needs to, it, it just needs a little maintenance and to um, to curb it.
1: Exactly, you yeah. need to just control it, and a little bit of weed weed free um, with the washing up liquid mixed, applied the next dry day onto the foliage will kill off any plants that you don't want to keep.
0: Lovely. Now from Westport we go to Athlone, and we have a question about a horseradish plant, pork. Mary is wondering what might be eating the leaves of a
1: horseradish plant? Well, a flea beetle comes to mind as it, was a pe- it can be a pest of horseradish. It mm. leaves kind of in U-shaped notches out of the foliage or, or pinholes out of the leaves. Now, to be honest, it's not going to do hors- horseradish is very, very easy to grow. If anything, it, it's one of those plants that needs to be controlled. It's like
0: Our Lady's mantle. Yeah,
1: it, it, well, it forms clumps and it can spread quite a bit by underground stems. So generally, it's it's planted to an area of the garden where you can allow it to, to do just that mm-hmm. or put into a large pot. If, if um, you want, it is herbaceous, so the leaves are going to be dying back fairly soon. So to be honest, I wouldn't really bother with it at this time of year. Next spring, you can put on one of the organic um, foliar uh, insecticide like PY insecticide would be very f- um, effective on to control flea beetle. So it's not going to do it any damage, to be honest, mm. uh, unless the, the leaves are being ravished altogether. But flea beetle just creates U shaped notches or little pinholes on the leaves. You know, I mean, you're eating yes. the root of horseradish, so an yep, odd bit of leaf really damage is not going yet. to. No, it's not. It's, it's it's a robust plant and I wouldn't worry about it, to be honest. Is
0: it too late to grow sow grass seed?
1: No, it's not. I mean, where grass seed will germinate at 10 degrees Celsius or above so we're, what we're we saying today 16 15 16 so grass seed will germinate within a two or three week period this time of year what i'd be worried about is is more the soil conditions i suppose it got wetter now it's going to be more difficult to kind of work the soil it's been great up to today or yesterday um but look at if you've got the soil ready or if you're repairing a few patches in the garden or in the lawn then you by all means put on some seed it'll germinate from anything yeah. 10 degree 8 9 10 degrees it germinates at so it, temperatures are above that at the moment so if you're ready put the seed in Yep.
0: Okay. now here is a curious one uh, somebody threw some melon seeds in the compost of the greenhouse out of curiosity right. and they have some big plants now <laughs> yeah, and they're list. wondering will they die off or do they yeah. need heat or what are they going to do with these?
1: Well melons are obviously they've, they've hmm. just taken the seed out of out of a melon um, and they've germinated and of course they do form very big plants a bit like pumpkins or squashes they're all in that family. Oh,
0: so, and do they grow on the ground they do. then? Yeah. yeah and
1: they can spread quite a bit um, you need to sow melon seed early indoors, um, I mean I suppose what I'm saying is you're not going to get fruit off of this year and it is an annual. It's going to die as soon as we get the heavy frost. Um, so, you know, leave it there for another couple of weeks but be prepared to dump the plant in, in uh, by the middle of November. For next year, mm. sow some seed um, and there's a great melon called Ogen, O-G-E-N. Look for that one. A mix medium-sized fruits, Mm -hmm. very reliable. Sow the seed indoors. you buy a packet of seed for a couple of euros in January. Sow it inside in a warm windowsill and plant the plants into the greenhouse then in March. So you'll have nice strong plants by March and they've got the rest of the growing season to produce fruit. And melons will fruit in a greenhouse or tunnel in the west of Ireland, no problem at all. you get probably anything up to six or seven melons off the one plant. So they're well worth growing. You do need to hand pollinate them. So a little bit of a used to use a rabbit's tail, but I think that might be. There might be, uh, uh, yeah, there might be an an, an animal
0: issue with that one.
1: A paintbrush. A paintbrush, but it does need hand pollination, but apart from that, they're they're very, very easy to grow. Okay, so,
0: and listener, that means you don't have to (laughs) emigrate to Spain with the plants. No, you don't. Uh, That was part of the question. Um, Okay, a couple of quickies before we finish up, Warwick. I know weeds are uh, causing a problem today. Willow herb, uh, a weed growing in the vegetable garden, very hard to get rid of it. uh, roundup but it only turns them purple and it's not getting rid of them fully
1: yeah well that there's here's one that I'd probably be shot on because wi- willow herb is it's also called um the fire weed and it's it's a it's a weed that generally colonizes areas um that have been burnt but say you you burn an area with gorse yeah gorse fire or heather fire or in areas that 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 fire might affect to the soil willow herb is one of the first her- Weeds. weeds that actually starts to colonize and it's a very invasive well not invasive but it does spread it produces thousands of seeds and can cause a problem and Roundup is ineffective as the listener says it right. turns it purplish yeah, um, but doesn't really kill it what you'll find something like um, the lawn weed killers will be a lot more effective mm-hmm. so hydrol, um, dandelion and daisy if you apply that to it it will kill it off remember that willow herb is also a great plant for bees It flowers for such a long period. It produces copious amounts of both pollen and nectar for bees. And it produces a lovely spicy honey. So it it is one, you know, I know... It it has
0: its advantages. Oh, it has
1: its advantages, absolutely. And you'll see a lot of it growing um, along roadsides. And at this time of year, the seed that it produces has kind of a... It's kind of got a, a hairy... Um, seed coating. It's very distinctive. You'll see it in hedgerows. But it flowers for such a long period that it's very, very beneficial to bees. It starts flowering in June and has just gone out of flower. So that's what, three or four months of flower and produce a lot of nectar. And particularly good honey, a kind of a spicy honey. So it is favoured by by my bee friends and by bees in general. Um, But in the garden, look at the garden hoe is probably the best way to get rid of it. Right, Check out your garden hoe. Get a good quality hoe. Something like the wolf Don't buy a cheap hoe, buy a good sharp hoe. I have a a wolf hoe in the garden for about 10 years and it's a terrific way of just getting rid of them. But you'd also find something like the... um, the lawn weed killers will get rid of it as well.
0: Okay, very finally and very quickly, last question. What causes the compost on the surface of indoor plants to become white? Listener in Knock has repotted them with new compost and it's come
1: back. That's white fungus growing just on the surface of the compost. Um, it, it generally applies to over where you overwater plants and the compost gets wet in the very surface mm-hmm. and you get the fungus growing on it. You simply just take off, take off that top that uh, layer. half inch layer dump that and put a fresh layer of compost on it and as long as you regulate the watering that the plants are not getting too wet you'll stop that fungus from growing. Right,
0: what's the name of it again?
1: It's a white fungus. Just white
0: fungus. White fungus, yeah. yeah.
1: It's just associated with damp compost. When compost gets very wet, it starts to grow on the surface of the the compost. It can be unsightly. It's not doing any harm to the plants. Um, And simply by just removing the top layer and just regulating the watering. And watering on indoor plants needs to be cut back at this time of year. I mean, you shouldn't be watering them more than once maybe every once a month. So allow them to dry nearly before re-watering. Keep them on that dry side.
0: Excellent. We'll have to leave it there. Don't forget about uh, Clodagh McKenna. McKenna and tickets, tickets available.
1: Available this weekend. Do get them because they are walking out the door. And it's in aid of Mayo pink ribbon great great charity so just
0: google mail pink ribbon and you'll get the information as to where you can get them but But we have them in the garden centre in Turlock
1: yeah Yeah, people call it.
0: that's great Porik thanks a million the program will be on podcast a little bit later on Uh, we're back next Saturday after 7 and indeed the garden program with Porik again after 9 o'clock until then have yourselves a great weekend Paul Claffey is up after the news at 10 good morning to you